0: Hey folks, how you doing? This is opposing a, a matrix. It's uh, approximately midnight um, on eight eight, which would make it almost eight nine. <laughs> okay, uh, actually, we've got about two minutes till that hour approaches. But um, anyway, uh, I'm kind of fired up, and uh, I'm, I'm wide awake, so that's cool. Uh, but um, so I want to address something while I'm wide awake and and I'm fired up before I calm down and, and have a chance to, um, be a more forgiving kind of person towards the leftists in Washington and, and around the country that is too, um, around the world. Well, you've got your own problems. You deal with them. Um, we have, uh, a lot of problems here that we have to, uh, um, address here in the United States. And, uh, quite Frank, uh, you guys are quite capable in other countries of taking care of your problems, so um, we'll leave that to you. And we wish you well. Wish you good luck, or blessings—probably is a better thing—that that happens. And maybe if things good happen here, they'll they'll filter on down to uh, to your uh, country, your nation, your state, or whatever it is uh, around the world. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, today. Yeah, it's still today. <laughs> uh, President Trump signed four exe- executive orders. And I don't see a darn thing wrong with any, any of, of the four orders. Um, and it's funny because when you type in Trump's exe- executive orders today, you get every leftist outlet for news that you could possibly think of. Um, and uh but before we do that um i, I got to read you something that um uh, people are starting to uh take notice of things uh especially the left um the left is very good at criticizing things until they finally wake up yes they do they a lot of times they wake up but they're still groggy and uh and coffee doesn't do any good anymore for them. Um, but adrenochrome sure helps them out. But anyway, uh, and, the, and the article was uh, put out by Bloomberg, you know, that wonderful man that was running on the Democratic ticket um, who had to bow out. Um, the guy never learns. Nobody wants him. Nobody needs him. He thinks that he, he, he was kind of trying to be the uh, Democratic uh, Trump uh, a billionaire that comes into the race. And, uh, I am thankful for, for leftists because they didn't want him. They wanted Bernie Sanders and, uh, most, uh, Democrats to their credit, uh, especially old school Democrats know who Bernie Sanders is and what he's all about. And they, uh, they quashed him real quick and they, they quashed a lot of the other, um, <laughs> was it at one time? 25 people that were running for president. Um, each one of them kind of exhibited their own little um, uh, psychosis, and uh, they were rejected by uh, the Democrats, which I guess is a good thing, um, except they gave us uh, – they, they left the Democratic Party with Joe Biden, but I think that was on purpose. I think there's a strategy to that. I think Hillary is going to step in in the end and say, I'll run, or um, I don't know. Something's going to happen. Mark my words, Something's going to happen in the next month or so. Uh, within the Democratic Party and, uh, Joe Biden is either going to get somebody that's, uh, is going to run with him and will take over as soon as they get, they get the nomination. Um, they won't get elected, but, uh, but it'll make Democrats feel better like they have a chance because right now none of them feel like they do. Um, <laughs> it's, you ask Joe Biden what's for dinner and he'll, uh, he'll tell you something like, uh, uh, I opened up the windows in the car. (laughs) You know, it's, I shouldn't joke too much about him because, you know, a lot of us are getting older and stuff like that. And I sure would hate to be in that boat. So I do pray for Joe Biden because of that. I, I just feel bad for him that he's, uh, I know that what he's going through is a result of, um, a very sinful life. And, um, not saying that all people that have dementia live this very sinful life, but uh, this guy, um, he's, he's been a career criminal, um, in high office for many years and, and, uh, he's getting what he deserves. Uh, other people, innocent people that get dementia don't deserve it. But, uh, Mr. Biden, well, he does, but I just pray that, uh, he, uh, will just go down, uh, quietly and, um uh, that uh he won't suffer very long when it comes to the serious part of dementia, because if you've ever seen that that's very ugly, it's a very ugly uh Alzheimer's and dementia are very ugly things to die from uh basically at the end of Alzheimer's, you starve to death because you forget how to eat, and uh your throat doesn't work anymore because your brain won't control the muscles that are in your throat, so you basically starve to death so it's it's not a pretty thing and Um, It's not good for your relatives of Alzheimer's victim or anything else. So uh, to joke about it is is not a good thing. But um, so I kind of feel bad about what I said earlier. But at the same time, you know, you think that the the leftists would uh, say, hey, you know what? Uh, This guy's got problems. We need to kind of gently just remove him out of the race and replace him with somebody else because uh, what they're doing to him is very unfair to him as well as the Democratic Party and ultimately the United States of America. Excuse me, folks. Still fighting this thing, whatever it is. Um, I tested negative for COVID, so that's good. Um, And we get into that whole thing about COVID. I don't think it is what they're saying it is, uh, the whole nine yards. But uh, whatever I picked up, I've been seen to hang on for quite a while and uh, where I work in a hospital, if you walk in and say you've had a fever, you're automatically off for three days. And uh, so, uh, anyway, a fever of a certain degree, you know. Anyway, um, let's get let's get on with the show here. So, um, you know, I've we've been endorsing QAnon, we've been talking about QAnon, we've been um, exulting in the uh, fact that QAnon has been right about a lot of things. That they're telling us that things are going to start happening uh, pretty soon and that uh, and their track record's been pretty good. And for the longest time, they were ignored by the mainstream media as a bunch of cranks, but not anymore. Okay. So the article is from Bloomberg, the big loser Bloomberg. You know, if, man, I'll tell you, if I had the money that guy has, the last thing I'd get into is politics. I'd I'd be trying to help the world do stuff good, you know. And uh, but, you know, when people have that kind of money, they want power and power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And that's all needs to be said. But anyway, the article says QAnon is running amok and the time has come for interventions. Okay, so people want to take down QAnon. Let's read the article. Okay, I think it's it's pretty interesting. And it'll give you an idea of what the left thinks of uh, QAnon. And how they've finally woken up to the fact that, uh, it's not just a fable anymore. Okay. It is kind of insulting to QAnon and, um, and to, and to believers in QAnon and, uh, um, those who, who read him and believe that, him or them or whatever, and believe that what they say is coming to pass or will soon come to pass. So this is in Bloomberg Business Week. It was published on the uh, August 8th of 2020 at 3.30 p.m. Last updated August 9th, 2020 at 11.48 a.m. And it's by Daniel. Oh, why do these people have to have these Eastern European names? Zwidijek. And it's spelled Z-U-I-D-I-J-K. Sounds like a nice Polish name, actually. Um Okay, Bloomberg uh Business week, and it starts out, imagine it's Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner, the one that the entire family shows up on. There's a little corner of a long dinner table where you put the uh, relatives that are most likely to be awkward so they they can chat amongst themselves. You know who they are, the uncle, the cousins who go on on ramps about Trump's righteous war against the international cabal of pedophiles or Hillary Clinton's imminent arrest, uh, we'll see who's the last laugh about that, has about that. But anyway, everyone else in the family remembers the stir that uh, the corner caused when they claimed that Tom Hanks had a sex slave. No one uh, with any sense took them seriously picking a fight with the sap, with sap your energy and divide the clan. Well, it's already divid- divided. That's why you put them down at the other end. So that last sentence kind of disqualifies everything that was said before. But anyway, for the most part, social media companies have been content to treat QAnon like those relatives and those who are actual QAnon beliefs, and those are actual QAnon beliefs. None of the tech giants were really happy. uh, The amorphous online conspiracy movement was at their party, Uh, but it wasn't worth the trouble to disinvite them as long as they're kept on their own corner in the Internet. The QAnon faithful could enjoy turkey and stuffing with everybody else, but everything has changed in the annuous horribilis of 2020, or the horrible year. Uh, the social networks can no longer afford to treat QAnon the same way. Why? Because it's left the corner and it's messing with the rest of the table. Ooh, they're saying that QAnon. That to me, that's a that's a vetting of uh, QAnon. <laughs> um, they're saying that QAnon's given the mainstream media run for their money. Anyway, uh, memes uh, or mem- memes uh, emanating from the conspiracy group, which are tenuously united to be discredited belief that there's a plot to oust Trump from the presidency. Boy, if you can't see that, you're blind. Have made their way into the social media accounts of everything of everyone from Michael Flynn, who is briefly National Security Advisor. To White House social media advisor Dan Scavino, sometimes these names can be as innocent as an image, featuring Trump with a QAnon slogan, as was the case for Scavino. But at other times, they take on more sinister overtones, such as the oath to QAnon, where we go one, we go all, which Flynn posted on July 4th. Trump's uh, account has been known to retweet accounts aligned with QAnon. See, we're trying to take freedom of speech away See? Um It goes down to the political chain. Uh, QAnon sympathetic Republican candidates be, may be on the ballot for the Senate and the House in November, including and now they're naming names. Lauren Boebert in Colorado, Joe Ray Perkins in Oregon. Thank you for letting me know that, because if she's on my ballot, I'm voting for her. Um, and Marjorie Taylor Greene in Georgia, who face who faces an August 11th runoff. Um, It also seems to be manifesting on the outside, outside the U.S. In February, in Hunan, no, Hanau, Germany, a lone gunman espousing QAnon-like beliefs massacred nine people in bars frequented by immigrants before killing his mother and himself. Well, what about all the people that claim to be Democrats? Every serial killer has been a Democrat. Every person that shot up a school grew up in a Democrat home. So, you know, back at you, Bloomberg. Uh, The the COVID-19 pandemic has only helped the the movement expand. Hundreds of thousands of people with nothing else to do have been exposed exposed to the print fomentations. Sorry, but I have lots of stuff to do. And it's because of fools like you and leftists that I have to look up this stuff to try to tell people that you guys are liars and you're trying to destroy the country. So don't tell me I don't have anything to do. I work 40 hours a week. I have to sleep. One of those days I'm off because I'm getting older and, and and I, and I have to do a lot of things. I have a yard I have to take care of in the whole nine yards. So sitting up there in your ivory tower, Mr. Bloomberg, you and your editors telling me I have nothing else to do. You can go, um, Uh, You can just go do something. You know what I'm trying to say. i got to be nice because this is a radio show. The Institute for Strategic Dialogue, ISD, almost looks like LSD. Well, it maybe has something in common. A London think tank says that from March through June, QAnon-related posts surged on Facebook and Twitter. While its believers were far from the only ones trying to discredit the use of masks or cast out on vaccines, they were yet the largest groups. Twitter took action on July 21st, announcing measures targeting so-called QAnon activity across this platform. We've been, and this is a quote, we've been clear that we will take strong enforcement actions on behavior that has the potential to lead to offline harm. I'm sorry. I'm laughing because everything that they're accusing QAnon to do, and they've been doing for decades. Uh, Anyway, the company tweeted as, as it detailed the crackdown. Twitter is suspending accounts or breaking existing rules and will no longer highlight as trending or recommend uh, content and accounts associated with QAnon. It will also try to stop the movement from being played up in search. Users will no longer be able to share URLs associated with it. Well, you know, I'm one of those people that got kicked off of Twitter. And I wrote to them and I said, tell me what I did. Tell me what I did. If I did something wrong, I'll low up to it. But all I got was I violated community policy. Well, you know what? If you're not going to tell me then I don't want to have anything to do with you guys. So I went over to, to parlor where I can speak my mind and, um, and say what I want to say. And I know that if I do something wrong, a Parlor, they're going to let me know because they're honest people. They're not a uh, snidely whiplash, um, running Twitter. Um, Okay, Twitter's plan has parallels with an earlier crackdown by Reddit in 2018 after its forum became QAnon hotbeds. The most prominent uh, subreddits associated with the movement came down and the new ones and new ones even hinting they had something to do with it could not be created. Reddit's move is to consider is considered to be among the more significant blows against QAnon. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Give it a year or two. Um, but the tactics so effective on Reddit in 2018 may not work for Twitter. The QAnon movement is now a very different beast from the one that, it used, to, that used to populate now deleted subreddits such as The Great Awakening. Um, if Twitter no longer wants QAnon to come to Thanksgiving, the conspirac- conspiracists can still put on a mustache and a hat and sneak through the back door. There's nothing to stop banning QAnoners from uh, returning to engage in digital guerrilla warfare, says uh, Mac Andre Argentino, a researcher at Concordia University in Quebec who studies how extremist groups use online technology and co-authored a report from West Point Combating Terrorism Center titled The QAnon Conspiracy Theory, A Security Threat in the Making. All they have to do is get a bunch of brand, a bunch of new sock puppet accounts, camouflage identities, to stage incursions on Twitter with fresh tweets. See, all things that leftists do, they're accusing the patriots of doing. Okay, for QAnon adherents, Argentino says Twitter is the battlefield. A band just reinforces and vindicates its ideology, which posits that any action taken against it is part of the war. It might motivate people more because you're doing something more than just posting memes, he says. The damage can still be done, so I don't think that they're going anywhere. Data from Facebook-owned Facebook analytics performed uh, crowd, crowd tangle show a surge in interactions around QAnon content on other platforms following Twitter's July 21st uh, movements or announcements. Um, Posts on social networks seem to be friendlier to QAnon, such as Parler and Wee, Wee Wee. Thank you. That's exactly where I went. Rally supporters not to take the Twitter crackdown lying down. The fight needs to continue on Twitter as one Parler account put it. Argentino isn't the only one who's skeptical about the effects of bans. Uh, yeah, remember uh, back in the 20s and 30s, Prohibition? Uh, how, did, how did that go? So we're witnessing modern prohibition. Okay, back to the article. Um, And there's a quote, account and contact takedowns play a useful role in limiting the spread of harmful content, but that it can only be one part of the solution, says Jacob or Davy, one of the uh, three authors of the genesis of a conspiracy theory. The ISD's recent report on QAnon. It details the evolution of the movement from the, from late 2017 when several anon's nameless online personalities coalesced around posts by another who claimed to have q security clearance from the US Department of Energy a cursory search of Twitter reveals that it still has a thriving qAnon community davy says or davy um, indeed, a Bloomberg search of terms associated with conspiracy movement brought up multiple Twitter accounts with tens of thousands of followers. While they didn't bear the unusual hallmarks of QAnon supporters, such as the use, use of an illustrated Q, they all circulated QAnon posts from the forum Aikun, a- a- the, movement the movement's current uh, home base. They shared misinformation about Black Lives Matter and (laughs) COVID-19. Yeah, again, all things that leftists are doing. That's what leftists are great at. They're great at transference, I called it. Um, I had a boss a few years ago that um, tried to pull that on me. Um, And I looked at him and I said, man, you you are skilled at transference. And he goes, what is that? And I said, that's trying to blame me for what others are doing. And I said, you're skilled at it. You're really good. <laughs> and I still kept my job there. I was really weird, but I did. But, um, crackdowns by one platform may, may no longer have much an impact on the movement. Travis View, a longtime observer of QAnon and a presenter of QAnon Anonymous, podcast says that even if companies were able to push the movement off their platform the delusional QAnon style of thinking would survive so now we're see they're starting to look at it as a mental illness like, this is exactly what the Nazis did back in the 1930s I keep saying that the United States is Nazi Germany back in 1933 and by golly it is uh thank god we we don't have a Hitler in office we have a a patriot who is trying to fight a bunch of Hitlers that are in the rest of government. Okay, back to the article. He said, there's no way to stamp down every single delusional conspiracy theory that grabs hold in that uh, online community. Case in point is the recent popularity in QAnon and far right circles of the demon sperm video featuring several half described medical experts pushing the merits of hydrochloroquine, including Dr. Stella Emanuel, who made the claim about the satanic origins of the illness. Well, do you think that illness comes from heaven? It probably doesn't. Oh, wait a minute. I'm addressing people. I'm addressing um, leftists, and they don't believe in heaven and hell. They just believe in humanity and what humans can do. Yeah, humans can can flush the world right down the drain if you let them. Um, okay, back to the article. Crackdowns don't work. How can tech companies and others deal with the movement built around the mass of misinformation? A good start would be for social media platforms to enforce existing rules, Davy says. If platforms were more effective in enforcing policies around authentic and transparent use, this could help strike a blow to the network. Better enforcement of Facebook's community standards on authenticity and safety could have a devastating effect on QAnon's presence on its platforms. Policies designed to tackle disinformation also need to be more rigidly enforced. Yeah, Mine sends in the S.S. Okay, still it's complicated. There are corporate regulations, and then there are con- constitutional guarantees. Argentina point. Argentino points out that I'm not going to do Argentina, a nice country. The the um, disservice of associating it with the schmuck Um, argentino points out that many qanons followers aren't actually doing anything against the law is qanon really a problem to solve he asks. before the pandemic a lot of what qanon did as um, as toxic as it was could be classified as protected speech argentina argentino says there's a delicate balance where you can be very short-sighted and want to deal with QAnon, especially ahead of the election. But what are the ramifications where uh, where this can be applied in other contexts and may have impacts on freedom of expression? QAnon is not ISIS, he says. The Islamic State group uses platforms such as Twitter to, uh, for recruitment and propaganda, and QAnon isn't that sophisticated. <laughs> okay. Um, we're not trying to do that anyway. Nor would we ever, or would any QAnon person just put the facts out there and let people think for themselves. Is something that they, these people don't do. Uh, while QAnon beliefs have a way of rapidly radicalizing some adherents, Argentino no, says it would require individuals with greater organizational skills and operating operational acumen uh, to become an actual threat. But says View. The potential for greater harm is there. QAnon isn't likely to be as harmless and batty as the Flat Earth Movement, not with friendly platforms continuing to let its followers post what they want. The the conspiracy isn't going to go away soon, and as the Republican Party begins to count the the count on QAnoners for votes, its paranoid style is almost on the verge of political normalization. Uh, in one important aspect, though, QAnon is like the Islamic State. Here we go. Adherents often start from feeling of alienation then acquire an unquestionable faith in the, the righteous uh, in the righteousness of the cause that gives vent to their frustrations. Davie says longer-term solutions are needed to minimize the damage. These include the mass rollout of digital literacy initiatives. In other words, they're going to try to send you back to educational camps, which can help limit the uptake of conspiracy theories. He says it's necessary to engage with the talk of believers, hopefully help them disengage from the QAnon movement. (laughs) Well, start acting like Americans, and maybe we wouldn't have to have it. Uh, A model for that kind of dialogue can already be found on Reddit. Created in July of 2019, a subreddit, R slash QAnon Casualties aims to be a resource for people with loved ones who've been taken in by the movement. Now they're calling it a cult. Uh, and apparently, it, excuse me, it currently has more than 9,000 members. Posts with titles such as a letter to my QBF. I guess that's Q best friend. And the madness costs us our home. Details the consequences of having a friend or family member starting to believe in QAnon. The post describing angry confrontations and families closely echo the uh, experiences of people who confront friends and relatives who join cults. See, there we go. They're calling QAnon a cult. The cults are dangerous, and cults have to be eliminated. That's the way it goes, folks. Uh, Underneath each post about losing a friend or relative to QAnon, the subreddit's users leave advice of words of encouragement, feeling like their whole personality has changed as such a shock. Said one comment, uh, "The next few days are gonna suck." Another said on the prospect of having to spend just a few days with their or- QAnon unbeliever believing mother, "We can't deprogram people or get loved ones out of the out of the cult, see? Now they're definitely calling a cult, but at least we can offer support." Said Orowins, one of the moderators. That almost sounds like uh, Orwellian. <laughs> I uh, said one of the moderators of this uh, subreddit uh, communicating via Reddit's chat function, Orowin said that said the forum helps people understand what QAnon is and how it gets its hook into people. Well, good. Maybe more people will read it and they'll realize that QAnon is not a cult, that it's a real thing, and that it's addressing some very important problems. Um, Bloomberg, yeah, Bloomberg, little Mikey. Uh couldn't verify the accounts in this forum, but they matched what View has seen. I sometimes call it the digital zombie apocalypse because it feels like the virus that has been spreading to people's minds through the internet, he says. Gee, if there wasn't Q if there wasn't COVID nineteen would he have used the word virus? Uh, he urges more investment in mental health as one way of dealing with QAnon. Okay, there now we're psychotic. OK, um, but he's one of several experts who recognize that just one part of the it's just one part of the battle. A lot of QAnon supporters feel like they've been let down by institutions and they don't understand what's going on behind the scenes. He says he, he says uh, recent um, criminal cases, including Hanau shootings and a 2019 mob boss murder in New York involved apparently troubled and erratic individuals who latched on the catch-all ideology. Two things that happen. And they're, they're capitalizing on two things that happen compared to the hundreds and thousands of things that leftists have done. Okay. Anyway, the last paragraph. The big social media companies are now turning against QAnon and its theories. Well, good. There's always people that will make more. Um, but it may not matter. If Twitter is joined by Facebook and all other apps in this campaign, period, uh, QAnon and its followers still have ways to come to Thanksgiving dinner. Perhaps best thing to do is what should have been done all, all along. Don't relegate your crazy relatives to the far side of the table. Learn to engage with them, even if you disagree, even if it's difficult. Maybe that's the best way to save them and to help everyone. <laughs> Oh, well, we still have time. You know, as a Christian, we, you know, some some Christians are overzealous and they'll try to um, sit at that Thanksgiving dinner and try to tell everybody why they need to be saved. And and I can understand where people see them as cranks. I really can't because I don't like people like that either. But there is a way to bring up things and discuss them. And uh, and I can see there how these people are upset that um, I see what their 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 whole ideas in this whole article is to make us sound like uh, psychotic uh, cult members, but, um, you know, some people have brought that upon us by uh, being overzealous, you know. Um, I like the words of, um, oh, I can never remember this, Gamaliel. He was uh, the Apostle Paul's teacher, and when it was brought to his attention about Christianity, which at that time was considered a cult... Um Gamaliel said, you know, be careful when you're when you're messing with this, because um, if it's. I think he said something like we've had a lot of messiahs come and go and their followings just kind of wither away and die. But this, if this thing is from God and you fight it, you're fighting against God. Well, that was talking about Christianity, but um, or I should say Messianic Judaism, because Christianity didn't exist in, in Jerusalem at that time. But um, anyway, uh, there are ways to deal with people. But you know th- what they're actually doing? It's good because they're encouraging people to talk with talk it out with their QAnon relatives, and uh, and that's good. If people start asking me questions, I'm gonna, you know what? The best way to answer questions is to ask questions. You know? Well, QAnon's a cult. Well, what makes you think that? You know? Well, you guys believe this, but no, no, we don't all believe that. You know, where did you get that from? Well, I heard it. Well, you heard. Okay, now that's gossip. Um, You know, so there are ways to talk to people about this. So, yeah, let them bring it up at dinner tables and stuff like that. That's fantastic. Um, Twitter, you know, up yours because I went to a different format and it's a lot better and I can speak my mind. Um, and you can get all your nice little leftists on that, on your little Twitter forums and, uh, and discuss things, but, um, uh, I'll have nothing to do with you again. And, uh, Facebook, well, you, you still, even when you have, uh, put me in Facebook jail for a week or two, uh, you still won't tell me what I did wrong. You won't let me address my accuser, which is definitely, um, a communist, uh, way of doing things. You won't let me uh, address or know who accused me. Um, uh, anyway, uh, I was going to tell a story, but I think it's a good idea that I don't. <laughs> okay. So anyway, you got an idea now of what the, uh, what they're trying to do now to make it look like you and you and I and anybody else that just reads QAnon posts. Um, that were, uh, what did they call us, a cult? They called us psychotic. Um, they called us delusional and everything else. And uh, this is the way that they fight. This is the way that the left fights. You know, it fights with wars of words instead of, uh, and wars of innuendos and stuff instead of dealing with the uh, with the whole things. And they listed a whole group of things that uh, a lot of QAnon people believe in, but they never addressed them. You know, they didn't say why those things were wrong. Just that they were wrong, okay. Um, it talked about the oh uh, well, the lady the uh, the doctor that came out and uh, said that she treated 300 over 350 people with uh, um, hydrochloroquine uh, and cithromax and how they all got better. Um, but it didn't say that. It just said that she came out and, and blamed it on the devil, okay. Um, So you see, Joseph Goebbels could have written this, um, this article very well. Well, you know, if he was alive today, he would have he would have probably given a medal to this Bloomberg person that wrote this article. Um, And shame on you, uh, Bloomberg, for for taking people that want to see that there's maybe some kind of hope that people like you aren't going to be running things in the near, near future and making us look like we're a bunch of uh, psychotic uh, cult members. So, um, forgive me for saying this, but up yours, uh, Bloomberg. Um, and you don't know what I'm talking about. I could be talking about up your nose with a rubber hose. So (laughs) anyway, um, okay. So we're going to leave that article and we're going to, if it was paper, I'd rip it up, but, uh It's much easier and nicer to be able to just hit this little X up here and make it go away like it never existed. Okay. Um, Okay, so Trump signs four executive actions on coronavirus relief. And I don't know. Like I said, it was, if you typed it into Google, which was probably a big mistake, um, all you come up with is ABC News, CBS News, CNN, Bloomberg You know, all the uh, mainstream media that uh, are fighting against the truth and trying to promote a lie and trying to turn his country into a a socialist uh, Venezuela. Um, So I don't know. I just picked one. You know, it's I put them, you know, it's like I put them all up on a dartboard and threw a dart, whichever one it hit. I figured, hey, you know, I'll use that one. Um, So it's from ABC News. And ABC, um, always, it means always, always be communist or, um, always bull crap. And, uh, it says Trump signs for executive actions on Corona relief. Um, and let's see, let's do this the right way. So I don't get sued. Um, you got to give credit where credit's due, even if it's idiocracy. Um, it's, uh, and there's a subtitle that says the actions were announced at a press conference Saturday afternoon. It's by Elizabeth Thomas and Catherine Falders, F A U L D E R S. It came out on August eighth, twenty twenty, at five twenty p.m. It's an eight-minute read. Oh, so they're they're judging now that. People should be able to read it in eight minutes. I guess if you can't, you're an idiot. And if you can read it faster, you're a genius like they are, um, or they can pretend to be. And by the way, genius is not a good thing to be called because it's the the root word comes from the Arabic and it's the word for genie or jinn, is that the actual word? And jinns are demonic spirits that. Uh, Put ideas in a man's head. So um, if anybody calls you a genius, you might want to rebuke them and say, no, I'm just blessed with intelligence. Um, anyway, the, the article says President Donald Trump signed multiple exceptions or excuse me, multiple executive actions one day after coronavirus relief negotiations fell apart in Congress. Congress is falling apart. Um I put that in there, by the way. Um, Trump on Saturday signed a memorandum that is supposed to provide $400 a week for additional unemployment benef- insurance benefits, down from 600 benefits that expire July 31st. An executive order would extend the moratorium on evictions in um addition to memoranda that would provide deferments for student loan payments, yay, and uh, create a payroll tax holiday, yay, thus making less than, for those making less than 100000 annually, yay again. Um, I know some people at work that probably hate that because they always brag about how much they make. <laughs> and how they're going to get, not going to get this tax break. And, uh, of course, it's going to be Trump's fault. Well, maybe you make too much. Okay. Though these four act, uh, through these four actions, my administration will provide immediate and vital relief to Americans struggling in this difficult time, the president said from the signing at a news conference in Bedminster, New Jersey, on Sunday afternoon. Um, it remains unclear what legal authority Trump has to enforce the actions. Well, when the people that write the laws can't do it, somebody's got to. That's the, my ad lib on that. Okay. Uh, Trump called the $400 unemployment benefit, which Democrats had insisted on remaining at $600, generous. When asked about the decrease being a hardship for many, he pushed back. And he said, well, no, this is not a hardship. This is money that they need, he said. This is the money they want, and this gives them a great incentive to go back to work. So this is much more uh, than it it was originally agreed. the 600 was a number that was there. And as you know, there was and as you know, there was there was difficulty with the 600 number because it really was a disincentive. And we'll go into that in a minute. Um, asked about the payroll tax holiday, which is opposed by both Democrats and Republicans. Ooh, ooh, there's no money coming into the government. Ooh, panic, panic. Um they uh let's see, ask asked about the payroll tax holiday, which is supposed by both Democrats and Republicans, and doesn't help the unemployed. Now, that is something that they put in there. Okay, and we're gonna go into that. Trump said it helps people greatly, it helps our country get back, and anybody that would say anything different I think is very foolish. Everybody wanted it. By the way, the Democrats want it. The Republicans want it. They just couldn't get it. They just couldn't come up to an agreement, but everybody wants it. And that's very, and the very important thing is that the people want, want it and the people need it. Actually, Trump said that he had intervened in the negotiations in part because Democrats had padded their bill with provisions that had nothing to do with the coronavirus. (laughs) Yes. Um, He said that they were demanding bailout money for states that have been badly managed by Democrats and that the bill include measures designed to increase voter fraud and stimulus checks for illegal aliens. See, the old bait and switch. We'll have to talk about the bait and switch in a minute. I have to remember that. Let me let me write that down because that's it's important. Um, Bait and switch. We had that pulled on us recently. My wife and I and um, and I didn't like it and I let them know it. Um, OK. All right. Talks on the path forward for COVID-19 relief bill uh, collapsed Friday when both parties leaving negotiations cited no measure progress towards the agreement and no plans for a future meeting. Those are the people you put in office, folks. Those are the people that say they care about you. They collect a big wage every year and a whole bunch of corruption goes on every year where they get money from sources all over the place but they don't want to help you in your time of crisis and that goes for Republicans too in some to some degree. Uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Munchen uh, and ch- uh, Chief of uh, Staff Mark Meadows had been in daily discussion with Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. Um, how you can have a, lu- a lucid conversation with that dried-up old rag, I don't understand. And Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer, same goes, um, earlier this week, Munchen and Meadows set a deadline for the agreement to be reached by Friday. Pelosi and Schumer criticized the president's decision to sign the executive actions A statement in a statement on Saturday evening. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And... Those two are not tough. Okay, today's meager announce today's meager announcements by the president. Okay, so they're they're saying that they're they're small and insignificant. Show President Trump still doesn't comprehend the seriousness of the urgency of the health and the economic crisis facing working families. They wrote, "We're disappointed that instead of putting." In the work to solve Americans' problems, the president instead chose to stay on his luxury golf course to announce unworkable, weak, and narrow policy announcements to slash in unemployment benefits that millions desperately needed in endangered seniors, Social Security, and Medicare. Um, did they forget that the $600 thing expired about three or four days ago, and those people were going to get nothing? Okay, let's go here. Uh, these policy announcements provide little help for families. They added, for instance, not only does the president's announcement it's not actually extend the eviction moratorium, it provides no assistance to help pay the pay the rent, which would only leave desperate families to watch their debt pile higher. Instead of passing a bill, uh, now President Trump is cutting families' unemployment benefits and pushing states farther into budget crisis, forcing them to make decisions, cut uh, cuts to life or death services. Ooh. You mean their are governors are actually going to have to think for themselves about how to solve problems instead of drinking milk from the government tit? Hmm. Interesting. Um, Minority leader Mitch McConnell released a statement following Trump's signing celebrate celebrating a president's action while laying laying into Democrats. <laughs> uh, Mitch McConnell, I like you. I used to not like you, but I like you now. You do have a spine and a backbone. Um, And here's a quote. Weeks ago, some predicted that Speaker Pelosi and Minority Leader Schumer might actually prefer if the American people received no further bipartisan aid before the election. Sadly, they have done nothing to suggest otherwise, he wrote. And he continues, I am glad that President Trump is proving that while Democrats use laid off workers as political pawns, Republicans will actually look out for them. Yay. Yay. When asked about how quickly the relief would get to Americans, Trump said, we think it's going to be very rapid. We want it to be very rapid. But you watch those schmucks in, um, in the Congress will try to do something. They don't care about me and you folks. They care about themselves. They care about getting reelected by uh, a group of miscreants that vote for them. Um Pressed on comments he made Friday that he expected to be sued over his actions, he backtracked saying, what I said is people can do whatever they want. I guess maybe they'll bring legal action. Maybe they won't, but they won't win. They won't win. He, he added, if we get sued, it's going to be someone who doesn't want people to get money, and that's not going to be a very popular thing. And isn't that the truth? Uh, Pelosi and Schumer are gonna be by someday. They're gonna be words that you use to describe very bad things. And uh, it's gonna be called a Schumerism or a Pelosiism or a don't be a Pelosiite, don't be a Schumerite. Um anyway, Pelosi and Schumer had criticized as back the article, um, the use of executive orders in a press conference on Friday. And they were committed to and said they were committed to negotiations. Yeah, you ought to be committed to psych work. Um, when the econ- I put that in there, by the way. Uh, when the economy starts losing ground, the only choice is for a strong package. And yet, at times, our Republican friends seem willing to walk away from the go- negotiating table to do an unworkable, weak, and narrow executive orders, which are not going to do the job for the American people, Schumer says. Well, all I got to do is refer them back to Obamacare. And uh, how that law was written. And they all had little, little orgasms when they, when Obama and then when Pelosi said we have to read it to know what's in it. That's why I voted for it. Um, that pretty well tells you what's going on. Now, I read another article and I'm not going to read it for the sake of time because it's almost it's quarter to one and I've been on for 45 minutes already almost or maybe even more. Uh, big pharmacy, big, big farmers complaining about this because they see this as uh, tr- what Trump is also trying to do is, is lower the price of drugs. OK, drugs, the price of drugs in this country are ridiculous, um, especially when you can go down to Mexico or up to Canada and get the same drugs for sometimes 75 percent cheaper than what you're paying here. OK. Um, and, you know. Let me give you a little background. I worked as a pharmacy tech for for 25 years, okay. So I saw the best and the worst of the the pharma, uh, the big pharma companies, okay. Um, and most of it was worse. Um, so anyway, so they're complaining, and and their their argument is always research and development. Oh, it costs so much for research and development, R and D. You'll hear them say R and D. Well. When you have a 20-year patent on a drug and you're you're charging an outrageous price for it for that whole 20 years, I think you've pretty well paid for your R&D many times over. Okay, um, I'm not even thinking. I know you have, um, and then insurance companies sock it to you because you know they're only going to pay so much per pill or so much per prescription. So everybody that thinks that pharmacies are making a lot of money, um, I got a surprise for you. Well, I've got news for you anyway, but um, they don't. Um, they make maybe $5 on a prescription. That's it. And sometimes it's a lot less than that. Um, anyway, um, I want to use a little example of uh, research and development and, and the thing that pharmacy companies do. And this was probably back in um, well, it was after 2004 sometime. I know that. So let's just say about two, maybe 2008. Yeah, right around there. Um, I was working in a, a pharmacy down in Sacramento where um, we uh, serviced um, board and care homes, uh, skilled nursing facilities and stuff like that. More on the skilled nursing facility side than the board and care and. Um, Although we did both. And, um, it came time to where this drug called Protonix was, um, going to lose its, um, okay, I can't think of the word. Sorry, it's getting late. Um, where they were going to lose their patent, okay? Or they were coming close and, and they, they kind of looked at it and they, I can't speak to what they actually said in the boardrooms and stuff, but my 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 idea on it is that they said, well, you know what? There's other drugs that are used for the same thing, because there were there was uh, omeprazole, as um, there was um, three or four others, and uh, and each one had a good share of the market. So the uh, the company had, that made this Protonix, decided, said, oh, well, you know, we're just gonna kind of give up on the um, on our in our what do you call it? <laughs> I just said it before, our patent, and and allow it, other companies to start making generics. Well, what I noticed at first is that the generics that we were getting were, but you know, it was still by the drug company, and it it was labeled pantoprazole, which is what Protonix is. And if you opened up the bottle and, and poured some pills out, it had Protonix on the pills. So. That's a that's a big no, no, because that's taking something that you've been charging an arm and a leg for and then charging almost nothing for it. If, if it's nothing else, it's morally and ethically wrong. Um, so then other companies started to manufacture it. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, again, what happened in the, the corporate boardroom at uh, where a company makes this drug. Um But, uh, they decided that, uh, they were going to go to court and stop other companies from making the drug and they were successful for a little while. So they wanted to continue making more money than they needed to make because they saw that there was a market there to do that. And they didn't want other companies having a share of the pie, so to speak. And I guess what they could do, what they did was legal because they got away with it. Um, but th- that doesn't mean anything nowadays because, you know, you find the right judge and you make them a few promises. Um, and, uh, you know, you can get anything you want, it seems like. Um, so anyway, that's just one, one little example of how, uh, how the drug game works. So don't blame your pharmacy about it. Okay. It's not their fault. Um, it's usually the drug companies and the insurance companies that dictate what you pay for a drug. Okay. All right, now I can't name the name of this drug, um, but I do know some people that have uh, Crohn's disease, and um, there are several. There are drugs that are um, that are pills that can be taken for it, and they're somewhat effective. But the most effective way to fight Crohn's disease for a lot of people is a drug that they uh, they get, and uh, And the drug lasts for two or three months it's a long acting drug and it seems to send them into remission and that's a good thing right it's a really good thing um crohn's disease is a a disease that's it's autoimmune so you never really get rid of it okay it's kind of like cancer you know for a a lot of different cancers people get it and it goes into remission Um, and it stays for a while and hopefully for the rest of their lives, but sometimes it comes back and you got to start fighting it again with, uh, with different means and stuff. But, um, anyway, uh, so there's this one drug that, that works uh, via injection and it works for some people and there's other drugs that work better for some people. Uh, they've got it down now to where one drug will last for three months. So, um, so I happened to look up now. Let's see. I don't know how long this drug has been around. Okay. But uh, I looked up the price for for using this drug to, to control um, Crohn's disease. And if, mind you, this is an injection that they take. Um, and it says uh, the list price of this drug, I'm not going to say it, because it's a registered trademark, and frankly, the way that these companies are nowadays, they'd probably try to sue me. Um, it's $12,332 a month. Let me repeat that. The list price of this drug is $12,332 per month, but most patients pay between 0 and $5 a month. Actual out-of-pocket costs may vary based on dosing, indications, site of care, insurance coverage and your eligibility, um, for, from support programs, that's criminal, you know, um, that's taking advantage of people who are sick so that you can make a profit. Um, and this is what Trump is trying to trying to fight against. Okay. Now, yes, you know, I, I, know people that are on this particular drug and yes, it doesn't cost them very much because they have good insurance and their copays is very low. Um, but the fact that insurance companies can absorb it, um, in that, if, if you watch TV and you see ads for drugs like this, and it's, it'll always say at the end if you can't afford this drug, uh, you could get it for little or no copay. From the manufacturer. Okay. What does that tell you? It tells you that what they're doing is for people that can pay, they're charging a full price. But if you can't pay, they're going to be give it to you almost for free, which means that research and development is not really an issue here. Okay. this that, That's a public um, service announcement from the company saying that we want to take care of people that can't afford to pay for it. While we charge everybody else an arm and a leg. Now, I mentioned earlier about how, for instance, my first wave was from Mexico, and I was amazed because um, when I went down to Mexico City, we went to a Walmart down there, and that was a whole interesting experience. Trust me, it was much different than the WalMarts up here in the states. Um, if you want, lots of things were locked up, and if you wanted them, an actual federality would would go over there with a key and unlock the. The cabinet, take it to the cash register where you paid for it and then you left afterwards. And you didn't stick around after you paid for it either. Um, but anyway, um, drugs like antibiotics, um, inhalers, um, the protonics that I talked about before, or excuse me, the Pantoprazol, the generic. You know, I think back then it was protonics. You can go in and pay pennies on the dollar what you pay in the United States. And why is that? Because here in the United States, we're paying for the research and development so that other countries can get it cheaper. Lots of people go to Canada to get their drugs because it's a lot cheaper up in Canada, as I mentioned earlier. So, um, and Trump knows this and he's trying to get it to where uh, they're giving it to everybody for an equal share of the pie, so to speak. Not that you and I are getting raped in order to pay off for research and development but that we can use it to get well, use these things to, or to maintain our health for reasonable costs without having to mortgage our houses and everything else. Taking out second mortgages, excuse me. Um, yes, um, just looking here, there's there's two drugs, uh, three actually that take care of um, uh, Crohn's disease uh, by injection. And, um, and all of them are <laughs> um, very expensive. Uh, now, this is published, so, uh, so this is published, and I'm going to give this site, it's um, optimum.com, and it's a blog, okay, so I'm getting this from a blog, and, and um, drug companies, if you're going to sue somebody, sue the blog, don't sue me, because I'm just getting information that somebody else has put out, then this stuff can all be found out online anyway, okay. There's a drug called Harvoni. It's rated as the most expensive drug in America. Harvoni costs consumers $84,000 per recommended 12-week course of treatment. It came out on the market in 2014, so it's been out for, what, six and a half years, and it's for treating hepatitis C. Okay. There's another drug called Stellara. It's uh, used for two things. Um no, I'm sorry. It's used for something else. Anyway, um, it says, uh, uh, according to the National Psoriasis Foundation, so this is published information, without insurance, the retail value of a year's worth of Stellar injections would cost between $30,000 and 70000 Okay, Avonex, it's a pen kit, and that's it's an injection. Um uh, And it's for multiple sclerosis. Okay. The retail price for one dosage of an Avonex pen comes in at about $6,800. Another drug, Subsys, $107 per single dose. Fendora, about $71. No. The retail price for a tablet, per tablet of Fendora F-E-N-T-R-A comes out to be about $71. Um, Tabitha's placed between the cheek and gum area where it dissolves and begins to quickly kick in. Um, it's for breakthrough cancer pain. You see, the things that, okay, let's just, let's just cut to the chase. COVID-19. They're, they're, they're making it or trying to make their, let's see, I wrote it down. Uh, COVID-19 vaccine. There are four plus companies that are in phase uh, uh, that are in testing on human beings without even testing it on animals, which is to me is unethical. Um, and I know I'm going to get letters. Well, what's ethical about treating it? Well, first of all, if the animal's got COVID or a disease like it and it cures the animal, then there's nothing wrong with testing it on them, Right. Anyway, two plus companies are in third stage human uh, studies which means they're about ready to release it um, in vast quantities for humans. There's a whole other thing that they might be forcing us to take it and we'll have no choice. But um, hopefully that will not be allowed in court. Um, and again, will the vaccine be cheaper in Canada, and Mexico? But um, so. <clears throat> So you got COVID-19, they don't even know if this thing is going to work in people. Yes, it's probably working in some people. They're not going to release what the side effects are, probably. Um, and, you know, at least if you take a pill for something, you can throw it up, you can get your stomach pumped. Um, there are many ways for, and, and it doesn't last that long, okay. <laughs> Um, most drugs, unless it's, uh, uh, extended release, most drugs last four to six hours. So if you did have bad side effects and they could treat the anaphylaxis of it or whatever else happens, um, to, you know, the bad side effect, um, they can, um, it'll be over in four to six hours. So you get something injected into your body. You don't have that choice. It's, it's going in and it's staying in there. Okay. Well, I suppose if you, you know, they put it in your arm, you can get your arm cut off. If But by that time, it's already gone into your system. It's become systemic and it's all throughout your body. Okay. So, but why is there such a pushback on um, hydrochloroquine along with azithromycin? Why? Now, we read earlier about how that's a Q um, um, cult, uh, fantasy that these two drugs work. Well, no, it's not. It's been used all around the world for this and it works pretty damn good. Pretty darn good. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to cuss. Um, but, um, there's no profit in it. No profit in it whatsoever. If they come up with a COVID-19 vaccine, Bill Gates will probably be become a trillionaire. Okay. Um, there isn't, there's never been a trillionaire before. He'll probably be the first because he's got his greedy little hands involved in all of this. And he's got his l- greedy little brain and hands involved in the legislation that's going to make it mandatory for you and I to have to take this COVID-19 vaccine once it comes out. The only thing that we can hope for is that we've had it already and we have the titers and we don't need the vaccine. Um and if you work for a state or federal agency, you'll probably be re- required. I don't think Trump is going to push it federally if he's still in office, which I think he will be. Um, I think he's going to make it so that everybody has a choice. But if you work for a state organization and you might, things might be a lot different. Um, so anyway, um, you could be treated for, uh, COVID 19 with, uh, hydrochloroquine and azithromycin probably for less than $100. Um, probably a lot less than $100. I would say since both of them are generic, um, you could probably be treated for $25 at the most and, and be over with it, you know. But if it's a, if it's a vaccine, number one, it's going to be required. And if it's re- being required, somebody's got to pay for it. It's going to be either you, your health plan or it's going to be the government. And again, it'll be you paying for it because you pay taxes. So anyway, uh, doesn't look too good. Um, so, uh, where are we going with this? So anyway, big pharma is, is a big problem in this country and, uh, will continue to be so until it's taken down and hopefully soon from my lips to God's ears. Um, So then they were complaining about uh, unemployment, about the payments going down to $400 from uh, $600. Well, like I mentioned earlier, that $600 thing expired and it's no longer available. So they're back down to what they would get on normal unemployment. So Trump is offering $400, which I think is quite fair. Now, let me ask you a question and, and, and be honest, OK, when I ask this question and and you're mulling it, I know you can't answer me because this program is going to be recorded and well, maybe you can write to me or whatever. But I, I know that most of my listeners, if not all of our listeners, are are ethical people. Um, we we believe in right and wrong. We believe in doing what's right and wrong and, and spurning what's wrong and uh, speaking out for what's right and against what's wrong. Okay. That pretty well covers everything, but um let's just say that tomorrow you got laid off, okay? Or let's say I get laid off tomorrow. Who knows? Um or Monday, whatever. Um and you're getting unemployment and you're making more on unemployment than you would be making and getting a wage, okay? <laughs> Let's just say that. Let's see. Usually, unemployment in the states is is gauged on um, how, by how much you made prior, and it usually goes back a year. I think it's been so long, I don't remember. But um, so they go back a year and they see that how much you made and 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 they take it in four quarters, and what you made the most in one of those quarters is what they base your unemployment on. So let's just say that you were working a job and you were bringing home uh $300 a week okay um and, and bear in mind unemployment is paid weekly okay uh so you bring home $300 a week and and I know that's I'm just using this as a what if okay a, as a number and so all of a sudden you're getting an extra 600 you're getting an extra $600 which was happening pri- previously it's 400 so let's go with the new number 400 so Um, unemployment would be paying you $150 a week, plus you're bringing home the extra $400, that's $550 a week. Whereas before that, you were bringing home $300 a week. So times four weeks, that's $1,200 you were bringing home working, um, as opposed to (laughs) $2,400. No, yeah, uh, four, five, five, anyway, you, you get the point. Um, with the way it is now, you bring, they're bringing home a lot more than they were bringing in before. Now, that being the case, and if it was you or me, um, and, and, and putting all honesty and, and, and uh, ethics aside, you find that on unemployment, you're able to buy more groceries, you're able to meet your bills a little easier than you were when you were working. You might be able to take your wife or maybe your husband, whatever the case may be, out to dinner every once in a while, afford more clothes for your kids, um, and things like that. What is the incentive of going back and bringing home $300 a week again, uh, as opposed to bringing home um, $700 a week because of the increased unemployment? Uh, that's a big carrot to hang in front of any horse. Okay. Um, frankly, I would, I would, I would have a hard time with that. Um, I, I would most, if I was desperate and I had, you know, we were not our age, we're older now, but, and I had kids to feed and everything else, I would, I would maybe opt for staying on unemployment. Um, And I know that what that would mean. That would mean lying to unemployment, saying that you've looked for work but can't find it. And maybe you have looked for work and there's just no work out there. Who knows? But um, anyway, so um, knowing that, we have to go back. Let's go back to 1964 or 65. I can't remember. It was one of those two years when Lyndon Baines Johnson was in office and decided to start the Great Society. And he signed into to law welfare and everything like that. So, um, and I'm not knocking people on welfare. Somebody, some people really need it. Okay, but there are some generations of some families that have been on welfare for two or three generations because it pays pretty good. And a lot of instances, it pays for your rent, it pays for your food in the way of food stamps, it pays for medical care, the whole nine yards. And there is an incentive I see that to, to not want to get off of that you know and, and live on that live that way instead of going out and working because work ain't easy and it ain't fun in most cases um, but um, so the Democrats are criticizing Trump because Trump is like well you know if they're making less then they'll probably want to go back to work or or go to work you know which is true because um, Frankly, if they weren't getting anything, they'd really have to go back to work. But um, getting an extra $400 a month really helps. But um, but it's less than $600. And it, it, puts the, it puts the thought into people's minds. Well, you know, this isn't going to last forever. You know, this, they went from $600 to $400. The next time, is it going to be $200? And then the next time after that, is it going to be nothing? So I better start making plans to get back to work. Maybe I'll look for two jobs, you know, um, so that I could make up the difference between what I got on my first job and what I'll, what I was getting with the added benefit that the government was giving to the states for unemployment. Or if you live in Oregon, you didn't get unemployment to begin with because the state is so screwed up that they, uh, there's still people waiting to get unemployment, people are losing houses and, and everything else. And it's it's really a sad state of affairs. But that's what you get when you have leftists running your government um, anyway. Um, so and it, one of the things that the article said is that uh, uh, that reducing uh, the taxes for uh for people that make under hundred thousand dollars, doesn't help people that are on unemployment. Well, I got to argue with that, and I got a very good argument because I've been on unemployment before, and well, way back when, like in the seventies, you got unemployment; it wasn't counted as income. But today, the IRS counts it as income. So when you get your unemployment check, uh, the federal government receives the uh, uh, quarterly; they receive an idea of how much you got. When it comes time to do taxes, you have to pay taxes on the money you got from unemployment. So if there's a reduction in taxes, because unemployment is still considered income. Okay, it's considered earned income. Okay. And that's what Trump was talking about. He was talking about reducing taxes on earned income of people that make less than $100,000. So people that are making un- or getting unemployment would get a benefit of that. Okay. They might not even have to pay anything. For goodness sakes, you know it'll probably be a tiered system, and uh, they wouldn't have to pay anything. So uh, that article was, you know, that was a blatant lie in that article. And and the people that wrote that article, well, it's Bloomberg. What do you expect? Oh no, that wasn't Bloomberg. I'm sorry. That was ABC News. Um. Anyway, uh. So you know, there's another in your face for the leftists who who broadcast fake news because that was fake news. The whole article is fake news, actually, except for quoting Trump. And but uh, the um, the outcome of what they were saying about the quotes was that were definitely lies. Um, and what else the article said, and, and, and it is true, and um, they were trying to play it down or, or dismiss it as not being true, is that the. Um, the leftists in Congress are, are notorious. I mean, notorious for pulling baits and switches. That's what I like to call it, anyway. Oh yeah, well we want to we want to give money for you know people that aren't working. Um, we want to do this. Well, what was the last one? Uh, the last stimulus that they had, uh, Congress would okay it if they also were allowed to have endowments go to. Um, the Lincoln Center for the Arts, I think, was one of them. And Planned Parenthood. You know, what the heck, you know, what does Planned Parenthood have to do with COVID-19? What does it have to do with people that are losing their houses and stuff like that? It has absolutely nothing to do with it. it has nothing to do with the endowment for the arts at the Lincoln Center, for goodness sakes. You know, but what they do is they hold people hostage. They hold other lawmakers hostage, people that want to do good people like Trump and and some of the Republicans in the Senate that want to do good, that want to help us, these leftists, they get in there and said, no, we're not going to release the money unless you give us this, this, and this. And what did they used to call that? What did they call that when they were, oh, it was quid pro quo. Remember, they were on Trump about quid pro quo. Well, there's a good example of quid pro quo, you know. Well, we'll give you this if you give us that, okay? Okay. we don't care really about the American people. We want to, to help our friends. We want to help those who give us, give to us. And we want to help to get reelected. Again, <laughs> basically is what it's all about. And, and then the corruption continues and continues and continues. And, uh, that's why uh, Trump calls it the swamp. He wants to drain the swamp. Um, let's see. Uh, so he wanted to give us a, uh, A uh, a federal tax holiday for people making under $100,000, which I think is very fair because I'm one of those people. Now, like I said, I work with people that make over that. Oh, it's it's, there's a couple of people, you know, you get to work and oh, yeah, well, you know, I make this much money and my wife is retired and she's making more money on retirement than she made working and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. We're making, you know, well over $150,000 a year. I can't even remember the, the figure that this person put out, you know. Uh, but when Trump got in office and rearranged the taxes, boy, they were pissed, you know. Oh, yeah, well, this year we're going to have to pay. Well, maybe that's a good thing because you've been living on the dole tax-wise for many years. Um, and, oh, anyway, Um so we were talking about baiting and switching. Basically, what a bait and switch is, if you don't know, probably most of you do because you've had it done to you. Is uh, they'll somebody will lure you in with a good deal, and then tack things onto it. And that's what, exactly what the Congress is doing. They're making, it, they're telling Americans they want to help, um, but they need. They're not telling you that they want to add all this extra stuff onto this bill, uh, but they are telling you in in no certain terms that unless they don't get what they want, unless they get what they want, they're not going to okay for me and you to get some relief from this, uh, this economy. That's uh, not so good right now. So uh, I had a laugh. Uh, We, I got a phone call from, uh, I'm going to say it from Honda. Um, And we were told that uh, they were having a special that uh, Honda was offering um, 0% interest on, used and new cars. And so I talked with my wife about it, and I says, well, you know, new, new Hondas are pretty expensive, but if we could pick up something used and get zero de- or 0% or zero interest, that would be wonderful. So we made an appointment to go in there, and it was the following week, I think on a Tuesday. And so we went in there, and I says, well, you know, we have an appointment, we're here because, you know, we got a phone call that said that, you know, we could get 0% interest down on new or used cars. And right away we were told, oh, well, you know, that offer for the used cars was only for a month and the banks discontinued it because because of whatever reason. And uh, we can't do that anymore. But we have some new nice new cars that aren't that expensive out there. Well, <laughs> yeah, new Hondas are are pretty expensive. Sorry. Um But uh anyway, so I, I said, you guys pull the bait and switch on us. I said that was a bait and switch and the salesman he looked at me and he goes yeah I guess it was you know and and supposedly now the uh, the person that called us was called and chastised for giving us false information and then it turned out that uh, we were unable to to work a deal it just wasn't practical for us to try to buy a new car an, another new car and um so we walked out of there and um far as I'm concerned, I'll never go back to that dealership again. I'll probably never buy another Honda again, to tell you the truth. Um, I don't like being taken advantage of like that. Um, Now, that's the cure for when a car company does that to you. The cure for when a politician does that to you is to vote their rear ends out of office is to, and I went, when I did a show last night, I kind of got a little off at the end about uh, not off, but angry, I guess, would be a good way about Christians that sit around and do nothing. Oh, I don't vote. My vote doesn't count. Why should I vote? Well, I've heard that so many times. And it's like, well, yeah, if every Christian had that thought. then sure, none of our of the things that we care about would ever be done because, uh, because we didn't go out and do anything about it. Uh, and it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, actually. Um, yeah. And if, if you don't like it, it is stupid and you're doing something stupid if you do that, you know, or I don't vote because, you know, everything's in God's hands. Well, if that was the case and, and you didn't believe in fighting, then uh, you'd still be uh, paying a high tax on tea and you'd still be under British rule and you would uh, have every part of your life uh, subject to, to British rule because the Brits didn't change until after. After the revolution, before the revolution, um, and even uh, what, even with the enforcement of the Magna Carta, Magna Carta, Magna Carta, excuse me, I'll get it right. Um, it's almost 20 after one, so I'm going to end here soon, but um, still uh, the, um, the crown had a lot of authority and um, even to this day, they still, they still have. Basically, the final say. Everything is run by the queen, uh, through the queen, before it is it is done. Although her powers have diminished greatly, but um, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that that we revolted, that um, the uh, the country of India revolted. Uh, you had the Boxer War in China. Um, a lot of countries have were basically seceded from from um, British rule and uh they started to see that things weren't working so they needed to change but um that kind of started out with us here in the United States and had we not done anything had everybody sat back and said oh what's the use things are never going to change you know or or you know we're supposed to submit to the king that's what the bible says you know well when the when the uh, when the king starts doing things that are um anti-biblical then you got to start fighting back sorry and, and that's what's happening in our government nowadays. They're the Luciferians have taken over uh, much of the government. And thank God for President Trump, who's trying to drain the swamp of the Luciferians. And I hope and pray is successful. Um, but for you that sit back there and go, oh, what's the use? You know, things are never going to change or, you know, we're supposed to obey our, our governing authorities. Um, I don't know. I see it in a church all the time. Um I, I went to a church one time. It was a uh, Calvary Chapel. It was down in Sacramento and I was searching for a new church. I, I think it's right after I came back from North Carolina and I ended up going back to an old church. I went to a while for a little while anyway, but uh, while I was searching, I went to a, a Calvary Chapel and, um and the pastor said something that just totally blew my mind. And I really wish I could remember what it was, but it was, it was really unbiblical. And, uh, so I met, I met some people that were sitting next to me. It was a nice couple. They had a couple of kids and, and they really hit it off with the husband. I mean, it was 15 minutes. We were almost like best friends. And um I said to him after the service or no, it was a break. We took a break because they, you know, it was your typical big church. They, you can go get a cup of coffee and a donut during the break and then come back to the service. And um so anyway, I said, did you, did you hear what he said? You know? And he looked at me and he says, if our pastor says that I agree with it and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, I hope he doesn't ask you to drink Kool-Aid down in the jungle. I I wanted to say that to him, but out of respect and I didn't want to start anything. I didn't say anything. Well, um, I went back to that church one more time and I was sitting in the back. When I go to a new church, I always sit in back in case I got a bail Um, because sometimes things are just so disgusting in churches that you just got to get out of there. And when you sit in the back, you're close to the door and you can escape if you have to um but um uh, so this kid he must have been about nine ten years old, maybe uh maybe a little younger I don't know walk up to the pastor after the service and and you if you've been familiar with our ministry here on the radio station or or the delusion resistance ministry that I have online you know we fight all this crazy stuff you know all these weird ideas and and things like that. Well, the kid walked up to the pastor and he said, pastor, he says, I got a friend that was reading a book and the book says that the, that Atlantis is real and that it's a city and it's underwater and it's covered by a dome and everything else. And, and that it's an advanced society and it's really neat, you know? And the pastor said, and he asked the pastor, is that for real? And the pastor said, well, I, I suppose it could be for real, you know? and, <laughs> When I hear things like that, it's really weird. I hear the Jeopardy buzzer go off in my head, you know, the and um, so what I did is I, I made an appointment with a pastor and um, and I said, listen, I said, I'm I'm not here to tell you how to run your church or what to say, because I don't believe that, you know, being kind of like an outsider, I'd have any right to, to say anything really, but I'm, I'm here to offer my assistance. I said, I have a ministry that we, we talk about things like this. And I told him the story about the, the kid and how we answered him. And he remembered. And I said, you know, there are certain things out there that are being taught to kids that shouldn't be. And and we, we provide uh, an answer to these things, whether it be UFOs or or whatever. And um, I was basically told that, uh, you know, that he wasn't interested in things like that. And. And I said, well, you know, if you're going into that without even considering, I, th- I thought to myself, this, you know, I said, I, I'm not coming back here because it's, you know, you've already prepared the Kool-Aid and uh, your your parishioners are drinking it because if the one guy says that anything you say flies, and that's that's a dangerous sign right there. That's a flag that goes way up in the air, um, a flare that gets shot up twenty thousand feet before it falls to the ground, but. Um, Anyway, so uh, ignorance is going to be no excuse when you get to heaven. Um, Scripture says my people, uh, it's for a lack of knowledge that my people perish. And part of that knowledge is knowing what you're talking about or being able to direct someone to an authority who knows what the subject matter is. Not pretending that you know everything. And, uh, that's what I, I like about, uh, our current pastor, you know, if he doesn't know something, he'll refer you to somebody who does, you know, and I, I really love the guy for that, you know? Um, so it, it's important that in our day and time that when we read things like, you know, how they were bashing Trump and, and about the good things that he's trying to do. And, and he's has to do them because the Democrats won't do them how they're basically they're holding uh, you and I as human shields to get what they want. Um, you know, they're they're messing with our lives, with our livelihoods and everything else. And, um, you know, I, I, I got the question the other day. <clears throat> well, uh, yeah, but he's running up a lot of debt. And I'm like, well, but if you have control of the Federal Reserve, you can run up all the debt you want because later on you can just cancel the debt, <laughs> you know. Um, and that may happen because if he's talking about, you know, um, putting holds on, um, the, uh, interest and stuff on student loans, um, I've heard that he wants to, one of these days, he's going to cancel. He's going to have a day a year of year jubilee, basically, where everything's canceled. That would be wonderful. And it, it almost seems like with his actions today that, that he's working towards that. He's, he's lowering taxes more and more almost like someday um, they won't be there or they'll be forgiven or whatever. Um, he's given us an indication of what his plans are, what his long-term plans are. And I know he's only got four more years when he gets reelected, but um, you know, there are other Trumps that can run for office and there are other people that are sympathetic to the cause that can run for office and, uh, and who's to say that they won't use him as an advisor. Okay. Um, so anyway um it's it's very interesting that uh, you know he writes four executive orders and the and the all the libtards out there are foaming at the mouth and trying to make it sound bad it's 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 not a coincidence that they're going after q now because at this time day and time before the election um a q is going to be coming out with a lot of stuff um, we've been told that and it looks like it's going to happen and, uh, to make Q look like a, a cult and stuff like that is, is only going to make it seem like people that read Q and, and read what he has to say are cult members and stuff like that. So he's, he's going it. They're going after the president to make it sound like he's trying to become a, um, a dictator, basically, because Congress won't do their job, which if they did their job and they did it legally and, and forthrightly, Uh, He wouldn't have to do these things. Um, So you got people that want to play politics with your livelihood and my livelihood. And then you got a guy that wants to give us a break because he sees that we're overburdened. And um, I'm going to pick the second guy. I really am. And when it comes time to vote, I'm not going to use the excuse that nothing can happen because the fact that he's in office means that something can happen. And if you're a never Trumper, then you're, you're beyond hope. Sorry. Um, but you are. And uh, if, if you don't want to try to fix a problem, then you're part of the problem. And I said that last night, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it until I my dying breath. If you don't want to fix a problem, you're part of it. You know? Um, when I was a kid, if I walked up to my dad and I said, or my mom or whatever, any relative, and said, Hey, I'm having trouble with math. Can you help me? Well, let's see. Um, yeah, I'll help you with your math. However, I want you to do this and this and this. No right, no right minded parent would do that. They'd say, they think the math comes first, you know, and, and they know that you're having trouble with it and you're trying to learn it and you want to learn it. They're not going to put conditions on it. They're going to help you so that you become successful. And that's, that's one way of looking at what's going on. Or you can have your, Wicked stepmother like Nancy Pelosi or wicked stepfather like Schumer or you you pick your Democrat and put their name in there and uh, who says well yeah we want to help you but uh, if we help you we want you to we want you to make sure that um, we can fund Planned Parenthood so that we can kill babies and we know that you don't believe in killing babies but it would really would be good if we'd be able to to fund Planned Parenthood so that we can do that, you know? And you have to be mentally incapacitated to fall for that. Um, I don't don't know. It's just, for goodness sakes, God gave us a brain to use. He gave us a conscience to use. And if you're saying that you won't go out and vote because nothing will happen, well, that's... That's like the Jews going back to to Jerusalem after Cyrus sent them back and say, well, what's the use? The walls are all falling down. And if we build them up again, somebody's going to come and knock them down again. So why should we even start? Why should we rebuild the temple? You know, um, you know, it's that, that kind of thinking is, is, is stupid. It's basically, that's what it is. It's stupid. And if you think that way, then maybe you are. Um, but, um, for goodness sakes, use the brain God gave you. Use the discernment God gave you. Use the uh, fortitude that God gave you. Use the ab- ability to reason that God gave you. And to look down the road, not to look at what's happened, has happened, is happening now, but what the ramifications of your decisions would be in the future. And if you've got kids or grandkids and you decide not to vote, shame on you. Big shame on you. Because you're, you're, you're destroying their future or any chance that they have of a future. I'd rather go down knowing that I tried to make things better. Sorry, Sheriff just sped by here. Um, I try to listen to what direction they're going in, but, um. Anyway, so yeah, if, if you got uh, kids or grandkids or even great-grandkids, and you're not doing anything to make the world better, or even trying to make the world better, then uh, boy, you're going to have to do some answering on on Judgment Day. And um, I I feel sorry for you, I really do, but uh, I I will not leave for my grandkids a world that comes about because I didn't do anything. <laughs> you know what? Here's what I, the other day, well, last year, um, my wife and I love coffee. We drink coffee all day long, okay. Um, so you know we're not Mormons. Um, it, it, anyway, I was just kidding around about that. But um, we were we got a curry machine a few years ago, and we were using that like crazy. And I realized I'm throwing this piece of plastic in in the garbage, and this piece of plastic is going to take. Um, hundreds of years to decompose if it decomposes at all because what they do is they cover it up with dirt and then the dirt kind of forms to where there's no oxygen so that things can't decompose as easy. Um, I know that because I, in the 60s I was finding newspapers in an old dump that around where our house had been built down in South South Jersey uh, that had newspapers from the 1930s and they were full newspapers and I was we were getting them out of there and reading them. So, um, in a paper in that condition, won't break down plastic sure as heck isn't. So I, I, I talked to my wife about it and I said, I really feel guilty about throwing all this plastic in the landfill. Um, and I think that maybe we should do something about it. Now, believe me, I don't believe in, I'm not green by any means. We're not green. Um, we know that there's just some things you, you can do and some things you can't do that will make the world a better place. Um, so, um, we stopped using the Keurig machine and we started using the old fashioned thing. The, the paper that we use for the, um, for the grounds, it decomposes in landfills real easy. It's real thin. It goes away. I know people that have used it for toilet paper before and flushed it down, down the toilet. So it does decompose very quickly. Um, so basically, if, if you were to have a pollution footprint or whatever, uh, our coffee drinking has gone down to zero. Um, the water, of course, gets absorbed in us and excreted. Um, the coffee grounds, you can put them in your garden. They make for a good soil amendment. The, uh, the filters decompose in the landfill. The machine will last you a good five or ten years if you take care of it. So, um, it's a win-win situation and all because I don't want to leave a bunch of plastic in a landfill for my grandkids to inherit. And so <laughs> having this mindset, I don't understand the, I won't vote because it won't do any good. You know, it's, to me, it, it is one of the stupidest things that I've ever heard in my entire life. and. um and we may lose some of you because of what I said tonight, but if you're honest with yourself and, and you actually use your brain and think about it and think about what long term implications you're creating by not at least taking the chance to vote for something that could uh, make a difference, that could make a difference, even if it doesn't make a difference, thinking that it could, you know, um, is an honorable thing, is a righteous thing. You know, that's going back to Jerusalem and saying, hey, yeah, yeah, it's the walls have been torn down. But, you know, there's all the rocks. And if we gather all the rocks, <laughs> if we gather all the big stones together and put them in one place and then we can make some mortar, we can rebuild this wall. You know, we can do it. We can rebuild it and we can rebuild this country, too. But if you're going to have that attitude, then uh, uh, I hope that you don't expect to um, uh, get anything good from anything that comes from from doing good okay um, you can be with all the other people that wanted to vote for for um, for things that didn't matter or, or uh, I, I'm sorry I just made a, a gaff there but you can vote for people that would want to ruin this country um, because basically if you're not voting for somebody that wants to fix the country you are voting for people that don't want to don't want to fix it want to ruin it so uh, there's no way of getting around it folks so anyway, um, I think I've taken up a lot of time here and I have to look an hour and 39 minutes. That's good enough for me. So I'm going to go ahead and get off of this thing and hopefully get this thing uploaded so I can get to bed. And um, I just hope that you listen to what I said and, and that it, it clicks and that um, you'll you'll think about what Trump did today and and see that it's not bad and that it's um, he's actually looking out for our futures and um, and see that we do have an enemy that's highly entrenched, strongly entrenched in our government that doesn't care about you and me, but only about what they can get out of it, the money that they can get from their friends that they they uh, they give favors to. Um, Harry Truman said that if you go into office poor and you leave rich, you're a crook. <laughs> That's, most of these people went in poor. Well, not poor, but they went in worth maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars and they're leaving multimillionaires. So just think about that. Okay. Uh, they're not looking out for you. They're not looking out for me. They're looking out for themselves and they're looking out for, for people that can keep them in office. Um, I said Joe Biden said today or yesterday that uh, basically, in a nutshell, he said that blacks can't think for themselves, that they all think alike, but that la- Latinos can think for themselves and think with diversity. Um, the the uh, the Democratic Party um, counted on the black vote for the last fifty, sixty years. And now they're casting them aside because they can see that the Latino vote there's there's more Latinos now than there ever was before, and um, and they're and they're a very fast growing uh, population group, and uh, um, if they do favors to the Latinos now and build them up, then um, their voter base is going to go up. So they're forsaking Black Americans who have been here since the 1600s or whose ancestors have been here since the 1600s making this country great. And they're, and they're forsaking them and taking up the cause for people that have many who have come across this border illegally. And, uh, and a lot of them want to take it back from Mexico. <laughs> so, um, Anyway, it makes no sense. It really doesn't, but it's a sign of the times. And, and we've got a guy in office that wants to at least stall it for a while if he can. And, um, so anyway, I, I don't like bringing politics in, but it's, it's getting to the point where it's got to be addressed. It's got to be brought up and it's got to be, um, broadcast over the air that, uh, doing nothing is actually helping the enemy, um. And if you can't see that, um, then you need to leave the pew of your church because it probably means that you're not doing anything in church either. You're probably just sitting here listening to a sermon and then going out every week and just doing what you want to do. Um, if you love the Lord, you're going to serve the Lord. If you love our country, then you're going to do something to try to make it better. Um, I do realize that we live in a in a in the kingdom of God, which is grossly different from this kingdom, but we're we're pilgrims passing through. But we're we're given a blessing that we're pilgrims that are given a, a voice that can say things in this country anyway. And um, and, to, and to throw that away is foolishness. It really is. You're born into a society where you're able to try to make a difference and you don't do it. That's that's foolishness. And it's dare I say treason and uh anyway well i'm going to get off of this thing it's getting late and i really do got to go but um anyway uh let's see tomorrow so well, actually today's sunday cuz it's 2 in the morning uh we'll jo- have jonathan gray on um monday night at approximately approximately 6:35 pacific and 9:35 eastern um we're trying to nail down the specifics um we want to talk about things that disappear Things that were once very popular and you never hear about anymore, and um, and I want him to talk about um, the uh, the finds of Ron Wyatt in um, in Israel, uh, and the surrounding areas. Um, things that you probably haven't heard of before, or maybe you have. You've listened to the show, but um, we have a bigger audience now, so people need to hear it. So um, trying to tell him that he needs to be on Skype. That's the only way we can get him on. So hopefully he can uh, have access to Skype. He did last time. And uh, and we can go that way and, and have a good show, maybe two shows if he if we see the need to. And he accepts that offer. But um, anyway, you folks have a great night. or What's left of it? A great morning, maybe. Um, if you're heading off to church this morning, have a blessed time at church. Um, even though you're not supposed to sing in church, if you're in California, sing your hearts out. Um, just have a, a blessed time and, and, uh, remember hugging doesn't spread the virus. <laughs> okay. Um, so you can hug, hug each other and, and not feel guilty about it. Although others will try to make you feel that way. And, um, just have a blessed day tomorrow, wherever you're going to be. And we'll see you Monday night, hopefully. And, or you'll hear us Monday night. And, um, if you get into the chat room and ask questions, I will ask Jonathan Gray those questions. OK, so uh, anyway, be blessed um, if you were offended tonight. Well, I'm not going to say I apologize uh, because I said stuff that's that's real. That's true. And that uh, maybe you needed to hear. And if you choose to, to stop being a listener, well, that's that's up to you. Um, but you know, we're, we're not here to please man. We're not here to please people. We're here to tell about the truth and, and what needs to be done. And, um, both from a political and from a, not political, God help me, um, both from a biblical and a semi-political, um, point of view. So, um, and it's only, the only way political point of view counts is if it kind of meshes with scripture and it does in many ways more ways than you'll ever know so um anyway be blessed have a good day and uh, we'll see you monday and um, in the name of yeshua mashiach our savior and lord uh jesus christ uh be blessed with all the good things that he has for you both both um, things that you need and things that you want according to his will amen and amen